Hey, hey, Heat Nation! Welcome back to Heaters Gonna Heat. I'm your host, Kyle Russell, here to chat a little about our favorite NBA team, Miami Heat, who are fortunately no longer on a massive losing streak. Able to stop that at seven games after I got done with the last podcast, unfortunately didn't go on any further than that. Um, quick shout-out, I guess, to the Miami Heat beat, uh, their co-founder, uh, Giancarlo Navas, who saged the arena. It paid off. It ended the streak, got us a two-game win streak that we would have been, could not extend it further than three with a loss to the Clippers yesterday. But, as usual, we'll go through the games last week. Uh, middle segment, talk a little bit about the trade deadline coming up this Thursday, whether or not Miami will make any moves, and if they do, what kind of moves. And then, as usual, finish up looking ahead to the next week of games. Uh, really tough homestand for Miami throughout the rest of this week. But first, we go back to last week's games. Miami going 2-1 and one over the last week, bringing their overall record 26-24. Still staying above 500 at least. Uh, we go back first last Wednesday hosting the Sacramento Kings, a game where Miami broke their losing streak by winning this game 115-105. to Oh, sorry, 106. Out for this game for the Heat, Duncan Robinson, who had suffered a concussion uh, in the previous Saturday game at the Knicks. I didn't catch that at the time. I do remember he was limited in the last Monday game against the uh, Phoenix Suns. So, yeah, it seems like those symptoms flared up there, and essentially he's been out in concussion protocol ever since, hopefully uh, Duncan recovering well from that. But would not be there for the Kings game nor in the other games this week. Talk about him a little bit later on. But to recap the game itself, after a back-and-forth first quarter with the Kings, the Heat closed the quarter on an 11-4 run to take a six-point lead. Early second, a 13-0 run, mainly Josh Richardson. We'll talk about about him a little later as well. uh, Did get the Heat up as much as 15, got as high as plus 18, but the Kings outscored the Heat down the stretch 24-10 the rest of the way. Heat only up four at the half. Third quarter start out, lots of ties and lead changes. I mean, compelling to watch for sure. Then the Heat built a little separation, able to get themselves up six going into the fourth. And then the fourth itself, the Heat defense really clamped down. I think it was like two baskets by the Kings for the first five or six minutes or so. And the Heat built a double-digit separation that was enough to hold off the Kings down the stretch, secure the win, and break the losing streak. Player of the game for this one, I'm going to go to Jimmy Butler. 31 points, 7 rebounds, 6 assists, 1 steal on 10 of 14 from the field, 2 of 3 from 3 point range, 9 of 12 from the free throw line. So good efficiency overall. Could have been a little bit better from the free throw line, I guess, though. Uh, 8 points in the fourth quarter during a key stretch when the Kings were starting to, like, they had just trimmed it down to single digits. And there was still just enough time, but, but Jimmy helped assault the earth on that. So Jimmy starting to become more of the closer that we're used to seeing around this time of the year as the playoffs start to approach. Stats for this game. Uh, Miami won the field goal percentage battle. Miami going 42 of 84, good 50% to the Kings. 41-93, good for 44%, 6% uh, swing towards Miami. That's definitely preferential. Usually we're on the other side of that. They did barely win the turnovers 8-9, but uh, did win points off of turnovers 12-6, so doing a great job of limiting what the Kings were able to do off of Miami's turnovers. And then the last real part for for the stats, because a lot of these were, were pretty close, but the other real big difference for this game, Miami with excellent defense on De'Aaron Fox. I want to say he was like high, he's averaging high 20s. 
uh, for points per game, but this one he was, I think, 14 points on like four, yeah, four or 16 shooting, 25%. So great defense on arguably the best offensive player on the Kings. And then honorable mention real quick, uh, Josh Richardson, he almost got player of the game, but, I mean, Jimmy had a 30 bomb. I had to give it to him. But Josh Richardson, 24 points, 5 rebounds, 3 assists on 9 of 15 from the field, including 6 of 10 from 3-point range, really powered the runs in the early second and fourth quarter that helped Miami build their separation throughout the game. After that game on Wednesday, the Heat would travel up to Washington to face off the Wizards last Friday in a game that they won 110 to 102. Also out for this game, Duncan Robinson, like I already mentioned earlier. Uh, recap for the game itself. Very poor offensive start by Miami. Saw them fall behind most of the first, eventually still being down two going into the second quarter. So doesn't sound that bad, but it is the Wizards. You shouldn't be down to the Wizards. Uh, then they gave up an early 10-0 run in the second quarter to be down 11, but were able to grind out the rest of the stretch of the second quarter, only being down three at the half, which is a win at that point. But again... This is the Wizards playing with fire here. Uh, in the third, the lead went back and forth, which where the Heat broke out on an 11-0 run that would have them up 13 points going into the fourth, so really did flip the script well in the third quarter. And in the fourth itself, they kept the lead double digits until the last few minutes. It did get a, a little too close for comfort. Uh, Wizards got as close as four points, but by then it was like 30 seconds left, so the Heat were able to just win it off of free throw shooting from there. So, hey... It still counts as a, as a second win. It was a, still a win streak. You'll take it. But the result's not as positive as we would have liked, again, given the competition. Uh, player of the game here, Jimmy Butler again, 24 points, 9 rebounds, 3 assists, 1 steal. Uh, really efficient, 7 of 10 from the field, 1 of 1 three-point range, 9 of 13 from the free throw line, no fouls. Um, four of his 9 rebounds were on the offensive end, a plus 8 overall. And again, kind of a continuation of the previous game against the Kings, where it seems like Jimmy has at least he may not be in that like that highest playoff gear, Jimmy, like we like we've seen, but he's at least a gear above what he was at most of like late December. Well, no, he was out late December, but most of January, he's a, at a gear above what he was in January. So moving in the right direction, you I'll take that. Uh, interesting stats for this game: lost turnovers, twelve to eight, and points off of turnovers, fourteen to nineteen, but. One offensive rebounding against the the Wizards, fourteen to six, and second chance points nineteen to seven. That was the biggest source of easy offense for the Heat. And again, like I mentioned earlier, Jimmy Butler four offensive rebounds. That's like one of those like kind of energy or hustle stats that you, that you want to watch for Jimmy. Like sometimes also with his steals, for example, as other people have pointed out, just to show that like Jimmy's getting more engaged, and that had a direct effect on second chance points, which was a big thing for the Heat uh, in this game. And then they also won the free throw shooting going 27-35 uh, from the free throw line, though that's only good for 77%, versus the Wizards 17-21, uh, good for 81%. So plus 10 points on free throws for Miami. Another big thing in their favor in a game that they only won by 8. And then honorable mentions here, uh, Terry Rozier, 15 points, 8 rebounds, 5 assists. Though he did shoot poorly from the field, 2-13 or 13 from the field, 0-6 from 3-point range, continuing the a... At this point, a little bit of a worrisome trend for me that he has not had a great shooting game for the Heat, but I, I, I understand the caveats. He's still getting used to the system, used to the city, still hasn't had a full practice with the team, etc. It, it's just becoming a little bit too too concerning. But 
What wasn't concerning, though, in this game, uh, like I mentioned, Terry Rozier, 15 points. Though he did shoot terribly from the field, he was phenomenal. Perfect, actually, from the free throw line. 11 of 11 from the free throw line. So, great job there. And then also, uh, Bam Adebayo, 20 points, 14 rebounds, 1 assists. Um, and Love, 13 points, 10 rebounds, 2 assists, just holding down the center position, getting double-digit rebounds for each of them. Again, contributing to... I mean, it's, it's still a win. <laughs> we'll take all the wins at this point. After the trip to the Wizards, the Heat would return to start their four-game homestand, starting off with the Los Angeles Clippers in a game that they played yesterday and unfortunately lost 103-95. to uh, Still out for this game was Duncan Robinson, and then a late scratch, uh, Tyler Hero due to migraines. Liz says headache, but like, no. Uh, a headache wouldn't have stopped a, a, a player. It would have been a migraine. And yeah, migraines, 100%. Those are... I've only had a handful of them in my life. They suck. Definitely not playing basketball with them, at least. Uh, to recap the game, though. Defense started out great for the Heat, but the offense couldn't capitalize. Heat only up three after the first quarter. They really could have been up more. I think it was like 22-19, to 19, something like that. Again, he could have scored more than 22, but Clippers are good defense. Got to give him that much credit. Uh, but in the second quarter itself, throughout the second, the lead changed frequently and ended up tied at 43 points at the half. So low-scoring first half for both teams. And But again, this is a game that Miami's hanging around, and they have a real chance to win this in the second half. Uh, third quarter, though, Clippers took the lead from the start and were pulling away through most of the third before the Heat clamped down the last three minutes to hold the Clippers scoreless and close the gap to only two points going into the fourth. Again, still a winnable game. But in the fourth, lead exchanged a few times, but the Clippers pulled away on a 16-4 run in the middle of the fourth quarter. That ultimately was just too much for the Heat to come back and answer to, and eventually fell uh, 103-95. Player of the game, I'm still going to give this one again to Jimmy Butler. 21 points, 4 rebounds, 3 assists, 2 steals on a much less efficient night. 8-19 from the field, 2-5 from 3-point range. So he is shooting the 3 well recently at least. I think that's worthwhile. Uh, three of three from the free throw line, a team high plus one. He was the only 20 points uh, scorer on a night where offense was absolutely dreadful. But unfortunately, he just could not do enough, especially in his matchup versus Kawhi Leonard, who was, as the broadcast pointed out a few times, looking like vintage San Antonio Spurs Kawhi Leonard, just a monster on both ends of the court. Uh, interesting stats for this game. Really, for Miami, this was about losing the three-point battle and the free throw battle. They lost three-point shooting, uh, Miami going 8 of 30, good for 27%. Not too bu- much of a surprise that they struggled, considering the two best three-point shooters in Duncan and Hero are out. Uh, to the Clippers, 16 of 39, good for 41%. And Miami also lost to free-throw shooting, Miami going 11 of 12, good for 92%. To the Clippers, 19 of 22, good for 86%. So, usually free-throw is an area that they win. You got Bam, you got Jimmy. But instead, they were minus eight uh, off of points from the free throw line. And then on top of that, the three point difference was at uh, eight three pointers difference. So plus 24 points off of main threes. Yeah, that's going to be difficult. And it's a little depressing from the standpoint of Miami really did dominate. Uh, in points in the paint. This is a rare night where they were just crushing it. Now, the counter-argument is that the Clippers were bombing it from three, so they didn't necessarily have to go to the paint. But Miami still dominated there, 50-30. to 30. I want to at least throw that out there because, hey, good job locking down the paint this time. 
Uh, honorable mentions here. The defense did well enough, all things considered. I mean, held the Clippers to 103 points. They just couldn't get enough efficiency with shots themselves. Only Caleb Martin, 11 points on 5 and 9 from the field, and Kevin Love, 6 points on 2 of 4 from the field. Those are the only two players that shot uh, 50 plus percent from the field. So, like, everybody else was, was inefficient. You know, Hero, Bam, Rozier. Nobody had it going for them. But. The most important thing for Miami, looking back over this last week, was that they broke that losing streak and kept it at seven. They didn't start off their homestand right, but at least they're still above 500. So while Miami continues their homestand throughout the week, also going on will be the NBA trade deadline. So figured it'd be a good little moment with it literally being later on this week to spend some time talk about it, what Miami might or might not do. I lean towards might not. But... Just to spend some time talking about it, at least I think it's worthwhile for a, a good conversation. Uh, so this Thursday's trade deadline, so the, it's like 2 or 3 p.m. Eastern time. The, the Heat will have until then to at least get a call into the league office in order to finalize any sort of trade. But I want to start this topic m- mainly from the argument that I don't think the Heat are going to make any sort of major moves by this Thursday. Which, I mean, it isn't as fun or exciting, but I, I think that's just closer to... The reality of where things are, mainly because I think their big move has already been done, which is bringing in Terry Rozier. Not only did that use a first-round pick, which Miami has very few of, but it also took their biggest expiring contract in Kyle Lowry. So, essentially, in terms of like what the Heat have to trade, they don't got too much that that would be very enticing, right? So they only have one first-round pick they could offer, which would be in uh, either 2029 or 2030 where it, it gets a little complicated because essentially they already owe a 2025 pick that could convey in 2026 because of protections. And then for the Rosier trade, they owe a 2027 that could convey in 2028 because of protections. So they could only offer 2029, and it would probably have to be a similar construction where it's a 2029 protected pick that could convey unprotected in 2030. So that way, if something happens with the other picks, then then they don't violate the Stepien rule. So they only have one first-round pick. Um, it will likely have to be protected, and it's several years out. So how much value that has is, is a little nebulous. And then on top of that, like in terms of expiring contracts, they don't have any big, big chunky ones like a Kyle Lowry. Really, the the best expiring they might have on the books right now is Caleb Martin. Uh, but Caleb Martin is a pretty good, important role player for the Heat, or at least very impactful. So it would have to be the kind of situation where you're definitely getting an upgrade over that. And then, But then that also becomes a question for the other team, right? Like like with a Kyle Lowry, you know, hey, I'm getting a Kyle Lowry. I'm almost certainly not re-signing him over the summer, so that's 24 $25 million coming off the books. Caleb Martin, it's only about, I think he's like $6, 7000000 million that he's making right now. And even then, he's going to want a bigger payday. That's That would be part of the reason why Miami would want to move on now. Uh, so that way, they don't have to be the team making that decision. But just to say that decision would then go on to the other team. And, you know, some teams might say, yes, of course we want to re-sign Caleb Martin because we're trying to contend right now. Maybe maybe if they he get him to a contender. But another team might just say, uh, no, we don't really want that decision on our books. And it's really not that much expiring to just be off six or seven million. It's not that worthwhile. So just to say that, like, Caleb, uh, for some teams can be valuable, for some teams would not be valuable. And so, therefore, that limits the amount of options or trading partners that you would have. 
after expirings, you could... I guess you could look at some of the young players. Like, I w- Jovic, I could see being available. I just don't know if any team values him as much as what the Heat try to want want him to grow into. So it might be a situation where the Heat value him more than what other teams are willing to give up, and therefore he's just going to end up staying with the Heat. Um, Jaime Hawkins Jr. is pretty much, pretty much untouchable. Uh, I don't see any reason, unless it was like a surefire, like a... I don't even think like a Donovan Mitchell that the Heat may may even do that uh, to trade Jaime. But it would be that caliber uh, of player, and therefore you would hear rumors of that player wanting out. And since there's nothing that I, I know of on the top of my head for that, I doubt Jaime Hawkes gets moved. After Hawkes, the only other young player of some value would be Tyler Hero. And I don't see the Heat moving on from Hero at, at the trade deadline, at least not here. Uh, maybe over the summer, but at the very least until the playoffs. Because, uh, again, one of the things that, that's been always gnawing at me in the back of my mind is we really have not seen Tyler Hero healthy and productive in the playoffs since he's since his rookie season. So, in my, from the Heat's perspective, it could, they, they could argue, hey, Tyler was, I mean, that 2021, everybody was bad. 22, he was injured. 23, he was injured. We haven't actually seen him healthy in the playoffs since the the bubble, and therefore the argument would be keep him, see how he looks in the playoffs this year. If he's actually healthy and he looks bad, well, okay, now you have room, room to move on from him in the summer. And he's the third best player, so he would be the scapegoat, and he would eventually be moved in the summer. But point there being, though, is it would happen then, not by the trade deadline this Thursday. So all in all, the Heat really don't have much to offer. It would be something on the lines of, like, Jovic, Caleb... Maybe some matching salaries with like uh, Josh Richardson, Thomas Bryant, Orlando Robinson. Uh, one first round pick, you know, 2029 or 2030. Maybe some seconds. Uh, I just really don't see. I mean, for, first, it's really not a package you can make that would be worthwhile for a, a le- legitimate impact player, at least not compared to what other teams uh, could put out there. So, like, for example, like an Oklahoma City Thunder could trounce anything Miami offers just because they have so many more picks to offer than the Heat do. So with all that said, uh, I still wanted to at least look at some target, some players I think the Heat could target. And, you know, who knows? Maybe things will break right and, and somebody will do Miami a favor or, or something along those lines. Uh, all of these are players that would presumably play the four next to Jimmy and Bam because... I mean, with the, the point guard position upgraded with Rozier, the next spot to upgrade in that starting lineup, you know, assuming that you're still keeping Tyler and Tyler, Jimmy, and Bam in there, which still seems to be the case, it would be the four. Just because Haywood uh, Highsmith, d- phenomenal defenders, really, really playing well, but he's still a little bit undersized for some of the bigger fours in the league. Like, the, again, what comes to mind is like a Kevin Durant, where Durant can just shoot right over him. Or like a, a Christoph Porzingis would, would be similar as well. Like Highsmith cannot bother their shot just because he's undersized. A similar situation there with Caleb Martin, undersized and a little underweight, so he could get bullied around a little bit more. And then Jovic is, is just still too raw right now to, to, to be that kind of impact player. So who could the Heat target? Um, I got four just quick names and went a blue through here to, again because I don't think any of these are too realistic. But... If I'm making uh, maybe like a birthday list because my birthday is in April um, and I want a birthday present now, 
Uh, I would start with maybe going back to the Charlotte Hornets and seeing what they think about P.J. Washington. I know I have asked for this in years past as well with nothing ever materializing, but I do think P.J. Washington could be a very interesting fit for the Heat. He has some experience playing uh, small ball five, a decent floor spacer, could be a good partner uh, for Bam. But the hesitancy here, though, is P.J. Washington is still, I think he's, what, like five or six years younger than Terry Rozier. So it makes sense for the Hornets to still say, no, 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 this is a dude in his early 20s. We're going to keep him around to keep him paired with LaMelo and uh, Brandon Miller. So the Hornets might not want to move on from him uh, just yet. Uh, Next name on the list, Obi Toppin from the Indiana Pacers. Uh, I think that's a he I mean, definitely showed out well in the, the games that the that the Pacers played against us and did a good job in transition. That's usually an area that Miami struggles in. I mean, we know he can play in transition. Uh, I think the defense was a little bit questionable. Well, most defense on the Pacers have been questionable this season in particular. But the offensive production is there. The transition game is there. And that could be enough. You know, maybe get him under Spolstra, have him coach up the defense a little bit. That he could be an impact player. The hesitancy... For Toppin is I'm not quite sure what the Pacers' current situation is in regards to to him to trading other players whether or not like Toppin's been moved back in the rotation because of the insertion of Siakam um, or even what the Pacers would potentially want like I could see the I could, that could be a situation where maybe it's something like a like a Caleb Martin for Obi Toppin kind of thing if, if the salaries match up after that. Uh, one of the big names that I've seen a lot of people on the, have on their wish list, uh, Dorian Finney-Smith from the Brooklyn Nets. I don't see it. Uh, there are already reports of the Nets turning down like three first-round picks in offers for Dorian Finney-Smith. Now, what do you want to say that, that that's just the Nets trying to put it out there to try to like increase the trade value? Maybe. But even if even if that is like a slight fabrication or an over exaggeration by the media or, or whatever the Nets are leaking, it still indicates roughly the kind of package that they want. And three first round picks, Miami cannot get close to. So I mean, I, at this point, it looks like Dorian Finney-Smith's going to kind of end up like this year's OG Anunoby, where you know the Raptors last year wanted a ton of picks for him. Uh, they did not get that offer. Then eventually they kept him and moved him later on when the value started to drop a little bit. I think that's what, what's going to end up happening with uh, Dorian Finney-Smith. Two more names to finish this out. Uh, Kelly Olynyk from, I mean, he has a history. So, sorry, Kelly Olynyk from the Jazz. He has a history with the Heat. He was here before. He had like a year and a half or so where he looked pretty productive alongside Bam. He's since gotten better. Uh, the biggest hang-up here would be if Danny Ainge and Pat Riley can can make a trade with each other. And, I mean, I all indications would be that Ainge would try to, like, really screw Riley out of it, and Riley being a competitive son of a bitch that he is, wouldn't want to give any ground to Ainge, and so it might fall apart literally just because of GM egos butting against each other. Uh, last name on the list would be P.J. Tucker. Uh, though at this point I think it would require a buyout from the Clippers and then I think the Heat would have to do like a move or two to to get under some certain tax threshold to bring in P.J. Tucker as well. And even then, uh, honestly, I kind of question how much P.J. Tucker has left in the tank. Uh, I would still welcome him, especially if it's just off the buyout. But but at that point, it's more of a buyout than a trade, so I I still don't think that would happen uh, by this trade deadline this Thursday. So overall... Like, 
what Miami is looking for is is rather specific. They're looking for an upgrade at the four. But given the lack of like flexibility, lack of picks, lack of expiring contracts, um, lack of young players that they're willing to move on from, I, I just don't see that happening for the Heat by the trade deadline. I would love to be wrong, uh, but we will see later on in the week. So with some trade talk down, let's look ahead to the next week for Miami Heat basketball. Uh, first up, the injury report as usual. Uh, on there, Tyler Hero listed day-to-day with uh, the migraine that took him out yesterday. Uh, I believe I saw he was listed as probable for tomorrow's game against the Magic, so I'd like to see that. And then um, also Duncan Robinson uh, was game-to-game. Game. He was out all last week with the concussion protocol. And even at this point, he's only been listed as questionable for tomorrow's game against the Magic. So we'll have to see there. Moving on to the games now, like I I mentioned a little bit earlier, the Heat will be finishing out a four-game homestand throughout this week. So at the very least, they won't have to travel. But they've got a rough set of games coming up nonetheless. And it will start tomorrow night where they will host the Orlando Magic. It's a Magic team that has an overall record right now of 27-23. And the Heat are up 2-1 in the best-of-four series against their divisional rival. Uh, For the injury report for the Magic, nothing. (laughs) They're actually completely healthy, which uh, my best friend's a big Magic fan, so I've been kind of following along with them this season. That is very rare for their injury report to have nobody on there. It's about as rare as it is for the Heat, so you can kind of understand from that point. Uh, Players to watch out for on the Magic, uh, number one has to be Paolo Banchero. Dude, he has some flashes to me of like a younger LeBron from the sense of like, I am just going to go to the rim, and you're either going to foul me, or I'm going to get there and try to get an easy look. And Duke gets fouled a lot. So really physical, really bruising. That that part's going to be... I think that kind of physicality is going to be difficult for Miami to handle. And then Franz Wagner, who has a great combination of size and skill. Uh, also a very difficult score for Miami to, to handle. He played a big role um, in the last game that the Heat played, where the guy ended up getting waxed by the Magic. Looking at the stats now, I mean, this is the, f- the fourth time we've played this team. Kind of, especially within, like, what, the last month? I think we've played them four times now, like, month and a half. But we have an idea of what the Magic are. They're not very great on offense, uh, 24th in offensive rating, but they're great on defense, 4th in defensive rating. And a little bit faster than the Heat are in pace, 20th in pace. Uh, but for what the Magic do well, first in opponent field goal attempts. They do a great job of limiting op- uh, opponents from even shooting the ball. Uh, first in opponent assists, do a great job of, of not letting you know us get the ball around. Uh, first in opponent personal fouls, that's how they get to the line a lot. Second in steals, second in opponent turnovers, just kind of go hand in hand. And offensively for themselves, they are third in free throw attempts that ties in with uh, first in opponent personal fouls per game. So they put you in foul trouble, they grind it down, they get to the line. It's a formula very familiar for us from the Miami Heat because it's usually how we like to play. And then for the bad side of things, uh, the Magic 27th in field goal attempts while being 20th in field goal percentage. That lends to a big reason why their offense just hasn't been that well. They just don't shoot that well from the field, and they don't shoot that much because they're already running at a slow pace. Um, And then... Though they are first in opponent field goal attempts, they are 19th in opponent field goal percentage. So do a good job limiting shots, but the shots that do get off tend to be of higher quality, like the defense breaks down near the end of a shot clock or something like that. But they're doing a good enough job already of, of grinding opponent teams down late into the shot clock. 
So, storyline for this game, Wynn and Miami owns the definitive tiebreaker. They'll be up 3-1 in the best of four, so they have the head-to-head matchup. If this these two teams end up tied later on in, uh, at the end of the season, well, then that goes to Miami. If they lose, they'll be tied in head-to-head, which the next tiebreaker will go to the division winner, which Miami does have the edge in that currently, but there's still enough room for the Magic to to catch up to the Heat and then have it go to other tiebreakers. So to make it simple, please just win this game and own this tiebreaker. Owning tiebreakers against teams that are in your standing in the division is absolutely crucial if the Heat are going to avoid the play-in tournament. After tomorrow, the Heat will host another game Wednesday, home back-to-back, against the San Antonio Spurs. Uh, this is a Spurs team that currently has a 10-40 and overall record. Heat are up 1-0 against them the best of two. The last game came during that uh, seven-game win streak uh, in November, where I think it was like even then we had like a, a bad fourth quarter or something like that that could have swung it. But we won it, it is what it is. Um, looking at the injury report for the Spurs, they're completely healthy as well. Uh, players to watch out for. At this point, there's only one player that I know for certain that needs to be watched out for because apparently they've been going to him more often. Uh, Victor Wimanyama. You know, seven foot, three, four, whatever he is, all arms, phenomenal rim protector and defensive player already. And then just a, a monstrous lob threat on the offensive end while still kind of growing his game as well. So that dude, yes, he's a rookie, but he, so long as he stays healthy, He's going to be a Hall of Fame player. I, I, I can see it already. Uh, stats for the Spurs. 27th in offensive rating, 23rd in defensive rating, 4th in pace. They're, just, they're not a great team. They just kind of get out and run a lot. Uh, for things that they're good at, 4th in field goal attempts, 4th in blocks, 4th in personal fouls, 3rd uh, in assists. So a lot of that kind of goes together, right? Get out, run a high pace, get a lot of attempts up. Uh also means a lot of opportunities to block your opponent, and then you got a block monster in Wimby. Uh, th- what was that? Fourth in personal fouls. Foul- probably a lot of fouls on Wimby, I would imagine. And then third in assists, throwing lobs up to Wimby. <laughs> it all revolves around him, but but for good reason. And then uh, for things that the Spurs do badly, 26 in a field goal percentage, uh, so they don't score very well, probably outside of those lobs to Wimby. And then 25th in opponent field goal attempts while being 23rd in opponent field goal percentage. So let their opponents get a lot of attempts up and shoot a high percentage. That's you know a good area for Miami to try to get things right. Storyline for this game, uh, can Miami, well, sorry, Miami can empty the tank for this game as they will have three days off from Wednesday to Sunday before their next game. So the one storyline for this game, like just immediately, is going to be can the Heat capitalize upon that upcoming rest advantage to just go ahead and make sure to lay down the hammer and try, you know, pick up the harder win against the Magic on Tuesday, and then be greedy enough to empty the tank and secure the win against the Spurs on Wednesday because they they'll have that big rest. And then the other question between um, that game against the Spurs on Wednesday and the next game hosting the Celtics on Sunday will be can Miami take advantage of that three-day gap to try to run a practice or two to help Terry Rozier get better acclimated to the offense and hopefully become a more productive off- a scoring threat. Well, we shall see. And then to finish this week off, 
uh, next Sunday, Miami will be hosting the Boston Celtics on Super Bowl Sunday. So, hey, if they get the shit kicked out of them, at least nobody will be watching outside of the basketball sickos like me. Uh, this is the Celtics team that currently has a 38-12 and record. Heat are already down 0-2 after two blowout games, uh, especially that one a few weeks ago. It was like 143 points they scored. And then I know the other one was like at the beginning of the season. I know, actually, I think about it. I think that one at the beginning of the season was a little bit competitive. Uh, maybe we got blown out later on, or maybe we had like a fake comeback. I don't know. Point though is uh, we've lost twice against them, um, and it's a best of three series, so we're not winning that tiebreaker, nor are we going to catch them in the standings anyway. This is for pride. This is really just for pride. Uh, injury report for the Celtics. Uh, Brown is currently day-to-day with a back injury, but I would imagine he will be fine by next Sunday. So players to watch out for, Tatum-Brown wing combo. That's the core of their team and what's what's given Miami some fits, especially Jason Tatum if he ends up uh, going. Like if he's really going and knocking down the threes, he's very difficult for Miami to contain. Uh, but beyond that, it's pretty much their entire starting lineup. Like you could also say the White Holiday backcourt is a very good guard backcourt. They do a good job distributing the ball and playing their roles. Uh, Porzingis was especially effective against the Heat last game got, what was it, like five threes I think he had in the first half. I was a little ridiculous. So their entire starting lineup are players you got to watch out for. This is why the Celtics are one of the best teams in the league, though. Uh, stats for the Celtics. First in offensive rating, third in defensive rating, 22nd in pace. Again, the stats back up. This is a good team. Uh, things that they do well. First in three-point attempts while being fifth in three-point percentage. So highest volume of threes, making them a fifth-best percentage that's the biggest source of their offense. Can Miami show, slow down the three-point shooting? Uh, fifth in turnovers, do a good job protecting the ball. First in defensive rebounds, ending possessions. Third in opponent field goal percentage. And first in opponent free throw attempts. So they, they really do a good job of forcing their opponent into difficult shots. And then not even letting them get to the line very often, which is usually... So, like, right there you can see two areas where Miami is usually trying to win in turnovers and free throw attempts, and the Celtics are good at both of those. Uh, Things that they do badly, the 28th in opponent field goal attempts, but that's balanced out by being third in opponent field goal percentage, so they're they're fine with that, Uh, even if you you take a lot of shots against them. Uh, 29th in opponent turnovers, so they, they don't do a great job of forcing turnovers out of the opponent. Maybe Miami can lean into that to win the turnover battle, even if they aren't getting that many off of the Celtics themselves. And then uh, 27th in opponent offensive rebounds, which I thought was a little interesting considering the first in defensive rebounds. But I think it just goes to show that, you know, again, like a lot of the shots against the Celtics defense are bricking. That's where you get the third in opponent field goal percentage. And therefore, that leaves a lot of rebounds up to grabs for, for both them to grab defensively, first in defensive rebounds, but also for opponents to grab, uh, hence the 27th in oppo- uh, opponent offensive rebounds. So Miami already had a game against the Wizards where they were able to lean into the offensive rebounding to try to get an edge on second-chance points. Similarly, they, they might be able to do the same here. But the storyline for this game is, can Miami deliver a better effort than they did last time where they just look completely outmatched? Like I mentioned uh, a few minutes ago, this game is just about pride. So how much pride does Miami have left, uh, at least throughout the regular season? Playoffs, we know they're going to be a little bit different. But throughout the regular season, can they show up and get themselves a signature win this Sunday, especially coming off of three days of rest? But after that, the Heat will have go on the road for a uh, 
road back-to-back, which will finish them off before the All-Star break, but I will cover those games next week. So next Monday will be post-trade deadline, see if Miami made any moves or if they didn't, uh, and then we'll start looking ahead to the All-Star break and what Heat players will be representing them um, in the games that weekend. But for now, I do thank you for hanging around. That'll be all for this episode. Please, if you can, follow the pod at Heaters Heating and myself at KBR Heat Culture off of X slash Twitter. Also, check out the other great pods we have at OTG Basketball, uh, Celtics Wire, Full Access Pacers, Coy Waldron, Waldron runs that, uh, Brooklyn Buzz with Jack and Nick, always a great job. Links for everything are in the show notes as usual. I'll be back next week, so until then, hope you all have a great one, Heat Nation.